Welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlin on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And this week, guys, it's our, we've had a couple special guests before, but we've got our very third, our third very, very special guest, uh, someone who actually came all the way into the office uh, to be (laughs) here with us and who is for a little busy right now because he just released a television show on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, so we're joined today by Justin Simeon. Thank you so much for being here. It's such a pleasure to have you. It's so good to be here. And it's JSIM07 on the Twitters. You did that uh, perfectly. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yes. You I, had to, I had to follow your leads. Of course. And you, you're, you're a delightful follow on Twitter, so I highly recommend <laughs> oh, it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, very much so. Um, so yeah, it's been, uh, it's, it, it's, so congratulations on season two coming out. Thank as you. We, as we record this, we're on the, we're on the cusp of it uh as at this point uh, as we as we post this i'm sure you've spent the whole actually are you the kind of person who spends the whole weekend reading all the reactions no oh my god no i read the headlines and i get the gist of it and then i kind of like scroll through my mentions a little bit mm-hmm. and then i like put it away <laughs> like i just kind of want the i just want the con- i just want to know generally mm-hmm. how we're doing and what people are saying um, and then, like, one, you know, once we get out of that opening week, then I start to – I'm able to actually engage in really interesting conversations because people have watched it, they're digesting it, and they really want to talk about something in particular. That, to me, is super fun. Uh, but, yeah, reading reviews and stuff, I don't know. I, I'll read, like, the first couple, and then i I, I got to stop. That's healthier. <laughs> in the long term, I think, especially, that's that's the healthy yeah, decision. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, especially, and I like what you said about the fact that, you know, once after, like, the initial rush of release, like, then you start having the conversations. Yeah. Because I feel like that's something we see a lot, especially with these binge-heavy shows where, you know, we'll blast through, we'll, we'll watch everything, and then it's, like, and then trying to figure out, like, what are the things people are really going to be talking about yeah. here is such a fascinating game to play. And we decided to make it really hard for everybody this season. I, I sort of like, it was really the goal. Like every episode, there's a lot to unpack. And, you know, we are on Netflix. It does come out all at once. So we don't get like that weekly pop. But I'm not going to deny, I'm not going to deny the children the conversation that we need to be having now just because of that. <laughs> so I actually like, you know, I think it's great because people discover it on their own. And you never know when you're going to like pop into a really, someone just watching episode five of season one and they want to talk about it. It's cool. You know, like these are issues that unfortunately aren't going anywhere. So it's any chance to talk about them, I think is a good one. How did you feel about uh, kind of the release date strategy from Netflix this year? I just thought it was interesting that for a while they kind of held it back, and it wasn't yeah. exactly a surprise release, but yeah. then you teased it a little bit on Twitter, so it was kind of exciting to see, oh, I think it's coming in May, yeah. probably coming in May, <laughs> and then they finally you know, got behind it. How's that uh, You know, I, I don't, I don't, listen, they, it's their strategy. I think that the thinking is probably, there's so many shows, there's so many things that sort of like starting a positioning campaign too early, I think maybe they were sort of like, what's the point? Like, well, let's focus it all week of release, week after release, so people can immediately go and watch it. And I think it makes sense. And, you know, it's my second time doing a TV show. Like, it's my second season, so I'm learning. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it works. Like, my goal every time is, like, I want to start a cultural conversation about stuff that I don't think is, has bubbled up yet. Well, kind of speaking of that specifically, I mean, looking back on season one, you know, it it felt like such a success and you had such a great voice coming right out the gate. 
Um, but what did you kind of learn or take away from what happened in season one that you wanted to apply or change or, right. or focus in on in season two? Well, I was so taken by the response. Um, you know, with the movie, there were genuinely people who were like, is this racist? Or is it going to be like black people talking down to white people? People confused about it. People wondering if racism still existed. That was a thing uh, in 2014. Um now, it, it with season one in particular, the, the animus and the vitriol was so targeted and so well organized that I, I sensed that there was something behind it that was more than met the eye. And as I sort of peeled back that layer, I realized that there really is a sort of concerted effort to weaponize and stoke outrage uh, in order to get your base excited, in order to build a following, in order to, frankly erase things from the culture that certain people just don't like. And, you know, as I as I did uh, between seasons and as I'm doing now, I really delved into a lot of research about race and, you know, really just trying to find different angles that I, I'm not thinking of and found this sort of constant theme of erasure and, and sort of uh, covering up what just happened historically that just came up again and again and again. And even though, like, misinformation and fake news and anonymous bots, like, that seems like a new thing. That anonymity, the sort of uh, mi purposeful misinformation, miseducating of people, um, that's been going on since slavery was abolished. And because we've never been able to, as a country, be honest about this stuff, uh, it's still here. It, it's in a different form, and it's on Twitter, and we think these are new things now, but it isn't new. And for me, that experience, the, the so-called backlash last season, was a perfect segue into these characters' lives going forward. Uh, because, you know, Sam has a show on the show called Dear White People. Mm -hmm. So the response to my show is it's a, it's literally like research for how the student body is going to respond to her show. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try to keep the spoiler light to spoiler free as much as we can for season two of Dear White People. But I do want to I, I do want to ask about there's a scene, I believe, in episode one mm. where Sam we see Sam engaging with the Twitter mm. with the Twitterverse. Yes. And I'm wondering how directly how, how personal a scene was that for you? I mean, it was certainly a thing I've experienced. Um, I don't know that I went at it as hard and as long as Sam did, but I certainly, especially in that when the teaser came out um, last season, uh, yeah, I was caught up in the reactions a bit, and I realized how much energy it was sucking away from me, this feeling that like I always have to respond, I always have to react, and it was like, the dopamine rush you get from tweeting, plus the like, you know, momentary outrage that someone said something insane. I realized like I was being okie doked. Like half the time, there's not even a real person behind these accounts, or if there is, like, uh, like I remember like comparing language, like, oh, these five accounts are the same person. Like, there's no way they're not. They spell, they misspell the same words, and so <laughs> I realized like, oh, I'm falling for it. This is another form of oppression, like making me feel like I constantly have to react and respond to this insanity. It's really just helping y them seem more, you know, uh, boss for, you know, standing up to who they think of as Goliath. And it's like, I am a black dude that, like, has fought really hard to be here. <laughs> like, you're, you're tearing down something that is already, you know, it's an uphill battle just to get something like this on the air and to get people to talk about it. Like, there's... you. Like, we're already disadvantaged. Like, you know, you don't need to do all of this on top of it. Yeah. How are you a, are, do you, how do you feel about muting versus blocking versus any of the I'm above? a blocker. You're a blocker? I'm a muter. I'm a muter if, like, it's benign and I don't really care and it's just, like, whatever. If someone has, like, purposely come after me, 
I want them to know that I know who they are. I want them to know that I know that they're a troll. And in lots of cases, I want them to know that I know that they're a bot. So I'm a blocker. And in fact, I have an auto blocker that if you've just created an account and, um, you know, don't have any followers, like you created an account just to tweet at me, mm-hmm. it automatically blocks you. And mm-hmm. there are dozens and dozens of accounts in there. And it's like, why me, guys? <laughs> like, come on. This oh, man, is crazy. So it shows, like, in your account, it has, like, a list <laughs> Yeah, it tells me all the people automatic. I've blocked. And it's, like, oh, people man. I've never seen. So it's it's yeah. the auto-blocker, yeah. you know. I, like, I, I actually recently went into my Twitter settings, and I changed a few things, uh, mostly because I wrote a list about science fiction. I was like, I'm going to get a lot of people yelling at me if I don't, do, if I don't deal with this. <laughs> um, uh, but, I, it, like, one of my favorite you know things you can block people for or just have a, automatically like I'm not going to see their replies mm. it's just if they don't have a profile photo yeah which is like such a simple thing but yeah like if you're in a twitter egg and you're too cowardly to even like show your face to show your face yeah like even well, bother that's it yeah. not, uh, the anonymity of it is the thing that I felt was like oh god that's like it's been that way forever you know we get into secret societies a lot this season mm-hmm. A lot of secret societies began because of this fear that newly freed Africans would somehow take over the country. I mean, that really was the impetus for so many. And this idea of hiding in the shadows to say how you really feel, it's so, it's as American as apple pie. (laughs) Well, I I actually wanted to ask about that, too, because one of the things I really enjoy about the season so far is what you're talking about, like the way that you link history to the present. And Mm -hmm. when you're in the present, you speak uh in such a uh, such a way that's defined to like the here and now like i like again like the use of twitter not only that you can see kind of what people are saying and it pops up on the screen but also you see the retweets and the likes and whether yeah. like, it's gaining momentum or not and like that kind of is a gauge of how popular or how much uh you should be responding to that individual post right. or whatever it is um but when you i guess from kind of the outside perspective of that the, the history seems to ground it in like a very permanent sense. Mm-hmm. And then the other part is something that's constantly changing and constantly developing. And in five years, people could look at it and say, well, man, that doesn't look like Twitter at all anymore. I know. <laughs> do you think about that when you're making it? Or is it just kind of like, no, I want to speak to people right now. And I that's do. The I think it's, it's, a, it's a balance. You know, like I still go back and watch Golden Age Simpsons. And it doesn't matter that the references aren't of this time. I still get the joke. Like I still get what they're saying. And it, it becomes a bit of a time capsule. But ultimately, like the way we write the show is like, but what we're talking about is actually a timeless human condition, universal thing. It's just through a black current lens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's always gonna be a version of Twitter trolls, whether or not it's Twitter, or it could, it could be something else. It could be, you know, Blitter, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it's, there's a, that, that, that's, you know, that sense is of, uh, her sort of being attacked in that way is always going to be here. It's been here before. Um, and, you know, a lot of people say, just get over it. Yeah. The reason it's so divisive is because we're dwelling in the past. Well, I wanted to show how the past is actually the present. Mm-hmm. And we're not dwelling in something that has come and gone. Like, we are still, unfortunately, you know, dealing with the impact of it because we never cleaned up the mess in the first place. Yeah. yeah. Something, I mean, beyond it, the timeless quality of it is undeniable, but I, I, I've been... It, Again, bringing up Twitter, but I feel like I've been seeing you comment a fair amount about like we we didn't expect this this thing that we wrote about in the show to come true. Oh my god! Which apparent even just like most recently, it's um, terrifying. Most recently, <laughs> the fact that I was watching the show and then I was like, I need to look up what Hotep is for <laughs> two reasons now. <laughs> um, and I learned what the term means, and I have a very clear definition and understanding of what it means. And uh, thanks thanks to dear white people as well as other outside forces. But I mean, for you, is that what has that experience been like? 
Oh, I mean, it's you're always trying to. Talk, I'm always trying to talk about something universal, but through a fresh way. Because every time you hear something in a different way, it sparks your imagination and gets your brain firing. Uh, and so, yeah, one of the thing, one of the conundrums of storytelling in the modern age is that so much of our lives now happen in our imaginations because we are on a phone and like the arguments and all this stuff is literally happening in our minds. It's like not actually happening in any filmable, interesting way, but it's so dramatic and it's so like can unwind a person. And so like trying to figure out what the language is of like how do you tell a story that involves our sort of virtual social media augmented reality, but on screen. It's kind of, I think a lot of filmmakers are kind of obsessed with it. You know, yeah. like I'm not the first. You know, mm-hmm. I think Fincher was really the first to sort of start to put uh, text messages on, or at least the first that I saw. I think Sherlock yeah. actually did it first, but like, you know, uh, with House of Cards, putting mm-hmm. the text messages on the screen, um, and socially, certainly in social network, trying to figure out how to make uh, computer stuff dramatic. And um, yeah, I mean, Twitter was one of those things that we really actually struggled with it. It's like, how do we tell the story? And I thought it would be interesting to do a combination of on-screen graphics uh, and like cutting to computer screens and stuff like that to make it, you know, you know, to keep the rhythms interesting. Uh, so to me, it's like kind of the most fun part is like, how do you dramatize something that hasn't been dramatized before? That's the kind of thing that like makes me giddy and like makes me excited to do something. <laughs> well, kind of along those lines, uh, more from it. I feel like this season, uh, season two, I feel like I saw your name as director a couple more times than I did in season one. Mm. Is that accurate? Yes. Um, What does it mean to you to kind of step up more in terms of directing? Um, I'm a director. I'm a director first. I'm not, you know, I'm not a showrunner first. I didn't come into this to, like, set up a bunch of shows on TV. Like, I'm telling a a story that... um, you know, I feel really passionate about. I, I write because I want to film what I write. And uh, it's very hard for me to step away. I'm, I'm like really, I love all of my guest directors. I've actually learned so much from them. But at the end of the day, there's a certain amount of the show that I wanted to own. Mm-hmm. And your first time out with a TV show, you're lucky to get to direct at all. I mean, there's so many people who have sold a short or sold an idea and they're abs- they're fantastic filmmakers, but they don't get to touch their own work. So. You know, this season I just wanted to to up it. And this season there were some episodes in particular that I just, like, I couldn't not direct it. I just, Uh like, I had to. Like, I had a spin, and I was like, it's my show, please. (laughs) (laughs) Please let me do it. Um, Because you're also, I'm also responsible for keeping the show going, and it's it's it really is like a triple quadruple duty. So some of it is is to make the studio happy. They want to make sure that someone's in charge. And if I'm directing, I can't necessarily pop over to editing or pop over to the makeup. You know, I can't talk about any other episode. So it's a balance between running the show and, and making it. Well, in terms of kind of the the style that you brought to it, because I've always again I've just always felt like this has such a strong attitude about it and a great look and. Um, one of the things I noticed so far in the season, and apologies again, I'm only through the five episodes, so if this is kind of answered in a way later down the line, just tell me to shut up. Okay. <laughs> but I love how you kind of, you're ending each episode with the with the lead subject looking into oh, the lens sure. in a way. Mm-hmm. And then the opening of each episode where you show the title card. Yeah. Um, I, like last year, it was mostly people sitting there and kind of looking into the camera, and this year it's more of a profile where mm-hmm. they're kind of turned and, and has a little bit of a shift to it. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if there was a specific motivation for that choice. Um, yeah. Outside of spoilers that I'm going to find out soon. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, one, I wanted to really treat it like a new volume. So I wanted to sort of nuts and bolts, like kind of let's pretend like we're rebooting the show. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't want to just have a continuation of the same story. I wanted it. I wanted to treat this like a new 
thing. And we already are calling the, each episode chapters. So volume is sort of the next step. Yeah. Um, or I guess you could say book one, book two. Uh, but we... Um, I wanted to, I get bored. <laughs> I, truthfully, I just get bored and I wanted to step it up on every level. And, you know, last season, the title cards was like, okay, there's a room where the wallpapers are up. Get it while you can. I mean, you know, we're, we're learning how to make the show, yeah. season one. Yeah. And so season two, was, I wanted to redo them and I wanted to redo a few things. And I thought, oh, let's just reinvent some of these things. Um, the staring into camera, you know, that's something that came really from the movie. And, you know, people have cited Wes Anderson as the influence, but I'll tell you, it's actually Fritz Lang. Mm. Uh, Fritz Lang, who you can absolutely see his influence in Wes's work, too. Um, great, fantastic German expressionist filmmaker. He made a movie called Metropolis, which I think he's pretty famous for. But M, to me, is oh, like yeah. it's his is his masterpiece. And the thing that Fritz Lang was obsessed with is crowds and mobs and groupthink. And sort of like, what does it feel like to... Have be the one who's thinking differently than everybody else, and I just felt a connection to his work. And um, staring directly into the barrel of the lens was a silent film era uh, sort of conceit that just faded away over time. And I've always thought it to be so beautiful and cinematic. And um, what what Fritz Lang is asking us to do is to look look directly at somebody who you know, you think that you just get to sort of observe them without being seen yourself. And it, it forces you to reckon with that person. Whether or not you like that person, whether or not you agree with that person, um, you have to see that person when they're looking right at you. And I also think that we as an audience are complicit in the issues that face our characters. Uh, we are all responsible for the culture that we are contained in. And if you're a white person and you sort of are just ignoring these issues, or if you're a black person, and you're like, we have we have a role to play in the lives of these characters too. And I just thought that would that was an interesting way to do it. Um, it's 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 incredibly powerful. And I, I get you know without spoiling anything again, like the ways that you find for the characters to either not necessarily have an excuse. Like sometimes there is a diegetic reason for them to look into the mm -hmm. camera, and sometimes it's just you know the the attitude they're in or the moment they've captured, and they have that look. It's really beautiful, and it does hold you kind of accountable in a really interesting way. I think in my notes I have something like uh, Justin Simeon is making a statement when I noticed it, like in the third or second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, this is exciting, and it does. It is like a visual reminder that you should be engaging with this mm -hmm. in more than a. a, a, a a passive way. You should be an active engager in the show. And, and also because it's so dreamlike, it's mm. such a heightened reality that like, I don't want you to think that you get to still, you have to wake up at some point and take what happened in this episode out into the real world and how you feel about it. Um, and I like beginning with the wallpapers because we sort of reduce these very complicated, nuanced people into almost icons, mm. almost symbols that you then have to deconstruct because often black people are thought of in the way that symbols are. We sort of symbolize an exoticness or, you know, an excitement or, uh, you know, a fetish for some people or we symbolize evil. I, it depends, but we sort of stand in for ideas as opposed to like, no, there's a full human being here. Look them in the eye. And so I like I like the idea of starting like one way and ending right direct at you, you know? And it obviously works so well because you're crafting such good episodes where 
the place where these characters start at the beginning, mm. even when you you, know, you recognize, oh, this is their episode, the place where they start is very different from where they end. So Absolutely. then that look you know, forces you to take that into account. It's Yeah. Thank how you, man. How do the actors react to it, when, when especially like when you first told them, we're going to start doing this? You know, it, it really, it was something I was like contemplating if that was a sort of concept I wanted to take over visually from the film. And in season one, it was literally, we were in the radio station. And I said, you know what, let's do a take where you look into the lens. And once I did it, I was like, well, this is the way I'm going to end every episode, obviously. This is, <laughs> this is awesome. And so then it just sort of, we formalized it uh, in the first episode in season one and just sort of kept doing it and, and kept refining it. And um, and like you said, in this season, like sometimes it's really surreal. Sometimes it's almost as if you like just caught their eye. Uh, we, we tried to sort of, we're trying to still do a riff on the, on the film language of the show and keep it fresh and keep it different. So and there's so many shows that are, that become cute and become quaint because they're so stylized, and I, I really don't want that to happen to my show, so I'm always trying to tweak the formula. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, kind of going along with that and staying away from staying away from spoilers again, uh, but I know you've worked with Lena Waithe for a long time, and yeah. I know that you, you know, your friends, you guys are, are close together. Well, that's but, out there. She's in um, the trailer. Right, exactly. <laughs> She's in the poster. Or yeah. not poster, but like the first pictures that yeah, came out, and everybody's tweeting about it. Lena's on um, the show. <laughs> but, like, I, I'm... I'm going to admit to a complete and total ignorance of this aspect of it, but where did the character come from? Where oh, yeah. That? I don't know. I'm, no, yeah. I, so um, so they're watching a show called Trap House Tricks yeah. uh, with a character named P-Ninny. And, you know, there's a lot of reality shows that follow sort of B-list stars <laughs> in Hollywood who are trying to make it in the, in the music industry. Love and hip-hop may come to mind. Um, but I wanted to sort of... Black people have what we call problematic phase, where we watch stuff that we love, but we also kind of recognize that maybe it's enforcing stereotypes. We're not sure, mm-hmm. but we generally are just enjoying it. And uh, it's different when you watch it in quote unquote mixed company. And so <laughs> to me, it was a funny way to show, um, you know, not without giving too much away, but characters who have loved watching this with other black people are not watching it with a mixed group and they don't know how to feel. I love that. that yeah. Great scene. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Lena and I were just trying to figure out what because I wanted her in the show. She is in the movie, and I was trying to get her to speak in the movie. Now she's Lena Waithe, you know. <laughs> and she was like, "Sucker, I gotta be in season two. And I'm like, "I've been trying to put you in the show." <laughs> so you know, it was really like, "What's your schedule? Here are the ideas in the writers' room, and let's come up with this thing." And again, P. Nenny's character is keep everyone in the show every everyone's keeping a secret everybody's like holding something back or something's being kept from them i think she i think the name p ninny is is unironic like i don't think the character understands what that the implications of it um but i we came up with this really interesting arc for her that kind of mirrored the characters and um sort of frames how they see themselves and i I just thought it was truthful and interesting and also just a lot of fun to do with lena yeah no it's 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 fun to see her in this context <laughs> yeah. because, you know, I don't feel like we get enough of her as an actress. Mm-hmm. And this was uh, obviously a departure from some of the stuff we're more familiar with her doing. So yeah. it was just, it was, it was pretty cool. Not She's quite great. Spielberg. Yeah, no, very <laughs> different than what she plays in Spielberg. <laughs> um, oh, God, I want to talk about other guest stars you have. Uh, oh, I, I know. There's, oh, yeah, there's a couple. There, there's at least one big I've one. And oh gosh, I want to talk to you about I want to talk to you about episode ten in that regard. Uh, but <laughs> let's hold I mean, off. that's the big one. Let's, yeah. yeah, we're gonna hold off because I think that's such an interesting moment. It's a I I think 
it's gonna be it's out there by now but yeah, if sure. you have if you've been avoiding it i think it's most fun to for it to be a surprise yeah i think <laughs> yeah uh, i think the but i feel like what it says to me is the fact that and i feel like this is something i've heard i, I feel like this is something that's come from conversations with you is the idea that you know this isn't just you alone in a studio it's not you and alone with your collaborators in a studio like i feel like dear white people is connected to a larger community of creators mm-hmm. and creators and actors who feel really passionately about it like, it I very like, much is I mean, and we and we're inspired by each other you know like i watch atlanta i watch the shy i watch insecure mm-hmm. i'm inspired by what my friends are doing and um we don't have to be in this sort of crabs in a barrel mindset anymore where like there can only be one black show about young people at a time. Like, I think we're all just sort of like rebelling from that idea. And so it is important for me to say, this is for all of us, you know, like this is, we all get to, we all helped make this moment possible. Like when I first started making Dear White People, there was nothing like it. And it was really through community that I was able to get it made, get it seen, get it out there. And so any chance I can play with my friends, you know, and celebrate them in a different way, I'm, I'm all about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's obviously working very well so far. And as the person <laughs> who hasn't seen episode 10 right now, I'm excited to see kind of who shows up. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, uh, I mean, without, to pull us away from that topic, and it, it I mean, you know, we're talking about you, you know, no one's no one's in competition with each other. That being said, it is Emmy season. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I mean, how much is that? Well, I guess that would be a competition yeah. with it. <laughs> but is, it, is that, how much is that on your mind at this moment? It's on my mind. I come from a publicity background. I was in PR for eight years. I know the difference between being an Emmy-nominated show and not. And at the end of the day, I really don't care about what metal is sitting on my fireplace. I don't care about fame. But I do know that like, when you're telling a message and you're telling a story that, frankly, you're kind of having to make room for it in the culture. It's, no one's like, we would like more quirky black stories, please. Like, that's not <laughs> a thing. That's a, so like, the Emmy helps sort of clutter bust and say, hey, there's a lot to watch. But this is something you should watch as well. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I want that for this show. I think these actors deserve it. I think these writers deserve it. I think the things that we're trying to say should be a part of the, the zeitgeist, a part of the cultural conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, frankly, we're all, we're all peers. So we're looking at each other and we're like, well, what was your, what was your nomination? What was your, you know, we all are truly like fans of each other. So, um, yeah, I want that for the show. I, I'm not even going to front about it. Mm-hmm. I don't need to win one. I just want people to know. If you haven't heard of it, Dear White People, Netflix, get into it. Because these are things that we need to be talking about. Well, two follow-up questions in well, that same regard. And I think that's what you were going to get to next. Do you, do you have? Well, I wanted to mention, I remember the study from last summer? Oh, uh, right. There's, yeah. a, there's a study that they did about awareness and, awareness and uh, you know, popularity, mm. which basically implied that, especially for even with younger people, Oh, I should have looked this up. But even with younger people, uh, it didn't really matter if you won an Emmy or not. Yeah. As long as you got the nomination. It's really, the nomination it's, was was basically, a win was essentially negligible. It, it's a way to just promote your, your work. I mean, you know, it's... It's an odd system. <laughs> it really doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's such an odd system. It's an odd system. Some of it's a popular. You have to campaign. It's a whole thing that has. 
it's not like there's some pure board of like artists that gather on Mount Olympus and decide these are the right. It's not that. I, okay, I know that. Right. <laughs> but it's a, it's a it's another tool in the arsenal. Uh, I think of a storyteller's cap to get your story out there. Um, and of course, if we don't get the nomination or we don't win, like I feel incredibly proud and satisfied with what we've done but it certainly helps you know um i think the key is to not get too caught up in it right again i i I used to do pr for some time and you have to just like my characters are learning that there's a game that you play but then you got to stop playing the game when you go home (laughs) it is it's it's the system it's the world that we live in okay like it's not a perfect system but it's the one we've got and i want to use every tool at my disposal to to get my show out there all right Ben's follow-ups now. Yeah, in terms, of that, <laughs> in terms of that exposure, I'm I'm just curious, kind of how you look at the the categories uh, these days, where you know technically, dear white people is going to be competing against Will and Grace and you know, <laughs> and, and you know just very very different forms of comedy, like yeah. because they've labeled them into just half-hour groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm always torn when I have these discussions because people are like, well, there should be more categories mm. because then, you know, there we'll have the kind of, not, not I hate the word dramedy, but we'll have the kind of more serious right, half-hour like, shows yeah. mm-hmm. uh, competing against each other. And then we'll have the, you know, the straight up, you know, sitcom broadcast, mm-hmm. laugh a minute kind of shows competing against each other. But then if you do that, it also might dilute the idea of like the impact of it, of just saying, you know, these are the seven shows that you need to be watching right mm-hmm. now. Um, do you have strong opinions either way? Do you no, care where it goes? Yeah. I don't. Because you know what? I've been in part of so many awards conversations yeah. as a publicist. I'm just yeah. like, this is all meaningless. We all made this up one day. What's <laughs> happening? But you know, you know what? I actually think it's good. because I'll, So I guess I do have an opinion on it. I think it's good because I think it forces everybody to step their game up. I mean, it's like even if you don't get in, you tried, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it, makes, it makes the work better. It makes single camera comedies better. It makes uh, multicams better. You know, it is that thing where it's like if you give a ribbon to everybody, you know. So, I, as a person who that that doesn't even work for, it works against me. I I kind of get it. I get why it's they're still all in the same category. I mean, it's I mean, uh, when in this when you go below the line, cinema, you know, a multi-cam sure. cinematographer isn't competing against a single camera that's cinematographer true. as well. They shouldn't. That's true. Actually, that's a very good point. Um, know? but also, I mean, I don't think. I don't know. It's, it is tricky. Like, it's it, very cause tricky. Because when you expand the category, when you add extra categories, it becomes more like, oh, you won a multi-cam comedy award. Yeah, like, it that's, does it's dilute not what it good. means. Yeah. yeah. And it's also like, you know, it's just tricky. It, the whole thing is tricky because there are some half-hour quote-unquote comedies that are not comedies at all. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, I have not laughed for several episodes. I'm devastated. What's happening? Um <laughs> But it's, yeah, I mean, these things are, the thing it reminds all of us is, is how arbitrary all of this stuff is, and it's super fun, but let's not. We shouldn't take it too seriously, unless you're voting for Dear White People, then it's like, you know, you're a racist if you don't. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm you're kidding. Not, you're not a racist, <laughs> no, but I'm by, by voting for Dear White People, you're making the world a much better place. That's what I'm saying, yeah. that's yes. what I mean, like, if you don't vote, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, the only way to heal America. Is to vote for Dear White People. <laughs> That's our Emmy campaign. <laughs> well, not, not stepping away from the awards conversation, but definitely wanting to just take a minute to spotlight Logan Browning. Yeah. Uh, I, I was just blown away by her in season one. I continue to be just stunned by kind of how quickly she can move through emotions mm-hmm, in season mm-hmm. two. I mean, it, there's just a couple of scenes that stand out where it 
when you watch other actors do it, and I have a few in mind that I won't call out, but you, when you watch some actors do it, you can see them slowly build like in their head, like mm-hmm. as they're trying to process to an eventual point. Right. And she just snaps. Like she, you can tell that she's reacting to something she's very it. true. She's present. And I, I'm just curious what it's like to direct her oh, in, in that It's regard. a joy. It's yeah. a joy because, you know, like Tessa, she is a craftsman. I mean, she's an artist, but she also really knows her craft. And when you say something to her like, okay, I really like what you did there, but like, you know, um, I want you to try this. I, w- I want you to, to, you know, get Gabe to leave the room or whatever it might be. She knows what to do with that. And um, it's a beautiful process. It's very collaborative because she also takes ownership of the character and wants to get into her head and, and re- it needs to make sense to her. You know what's happening, um, so it really—it's a collaborative process, which I, I really enjoy as a director. Um, and you know, she's she's just a consummate professional. I mean, the truth is, they all are. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, even folks that like sort of had tangential roles last year, like Courtney Sauls, who plays Brooke, and Nia Gervier, who plays Kelsey. Obviously, like Ashley Van Featherson, who plays Joelle, which is such a fan favorite. Like everybody is just bringing it. It's like the acting Olympics. Like everyone is like, oh, it's my episode. Okay, yeah. like Marquee. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I rewatched uh, episode two, which I've seen a billion times, like putting it together on the big screen uh, for our premiere. And because his face is so big on the screen, I'm like, Marquis, I'm just now seeing what the left corner of your right eye was doing, and it was brilliant. <laughs> like, your eye corner should win an Emmy. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's got one of the best looks, for sure, it's true. at the end of the episode. He, oh, it, my it God. Really Talk about moving through emotion. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but Logan's a beast, man. I mean, yeah. she was like, she's so good that I, when we were so terrified, like, oh, God, who's going to fill Tessa's shoes, you know? Yeah. And I remember the tape was so good. Just the little tape that I was watching on my phone that my casting director, Kim Coleman, sent me. The tape was so good that my boyfriend came out from the next room and was like, who is that? I mean, she is just the real deal. Yeah. I love it when the significant other, like, stamp approval oh, yeah. comes in. Oh, yeah. Like, literally, like, rushed out, like, who, what, what? Because he's li- he's listening to me sure. play all of these, like, out right. loud. It's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, Justin's doing his thing. He's working at a... Who's that? It was like, <laughs> it just confirmed what we were all feeling, you know? Yeah. And of course, we, you meet her, and it's just like, ugh. And, and you're nice and adorable and a team player. What? It's great. I mean, talking about a little bit about the team, like, I think we touched on this a little bit, but, like, this seems like a show where, you know, especially as you go on for more seasons, fingers crossed, knock on wood. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, actually. To, to do the proper Netflix, which they still use, even though it originates from terrible things. Uh, oh, well, well it's, uh, that was Kevin Spacey's signature sign-off at the end of season two, I think, of, of House of Cards, uh, and they adopted it into their. Oh, own I game. didn't realize. Yeah, that. it wasn't oh. it wasn't originally a part of the logo. Flash. Ben, ben is cringing a little bit as well, I bring this up. It's just uh, it's. It's a tough discussion to have because I talked about it a little bit ago, and it's one of those things where it's the character, like it's something uh, they'd written. It's the character. Yeah, the knock so, didn't do any. Raping, yeah, it's I like it's think. like Frank Underwood if he's played <laughs> by someone else, we would be of fine. Yeah, just, yeah, the, so. the knock didn't do anything to yeah, anybody. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's totally fair. So sorry, but apologies for bringing it up. And, and I'm no, 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 no. It's it's something but, to remember. But anyways, back to my point, which is simply that uh, this feels like an ensemble where it, you know, like season five, season six, it seems like you're still going to be able to discover what they're able mm-hmm. capable of doing. Oh my god. I mean there's so much of what we do too is inspired by them. Like there's a moment when uh, Joelle has a song moment uh, mm-hmm. 
And that literally was me and the composer and Ashley sitting around a computer working on a different project and we just she just started singing Tyrone and I put it on Instagram. So like their lives directly influence what we want to do. And you know, some of these girls I've known forever, some of these guys I've known forever, and I know what they're capable of. And you know, it's just fun to finally give some of these folks a, a playground uh, to finally show off how great they are. Um, you're right. There's so much that we leave on the table from season one and season two. Like there's and from the movie, honestly. Right. There's just a pile of stuff that would be great. <laughs> and there's a pile of talents that would be great. You know, but we got 10 episodes, so you do what you, do what you can. Um, I am going to, at, at, a for, at least out of force of habit, I always love to ask a creator, even as they're just on the cusp of releasing season two, how much is season three on your brain right now? It's on my brain. I, I, I think I know what I want to do from here until season four. Mm -hmm. Of course, I remain open to what's happening in the culture. The response to Dear White People has always been the best inspiration for Dear White People, so <laughs> I'm gonna await the response. Um, you know, to, to do that. And I, you know, I have a few things on my mind. Uh, I'm always, the show is not prescriptive, but it certainly is trying to reach for a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And I would like to expound upon this idea of erasure, how it affects us in our personal lives, our secrets. Um, and I actually would like to pick up a little bit later uh, with them because um, they are in college. And seasons one and two kind of take place in, in the same moment. And I feel like from the movie until now, we've sort of experienced fall semester. So I, I'm very curious about what the spring might look like, you know. Um, but beyond that, there's a lot of topics. There's a lot of character beats that we didn't get to do. Um, a lot of relationship we haven't gotten to relationship stuff we haven't gotten to do. Um, you know, racism ain't going nowhere. So again, my eyes will be glued and anything that's particularly interesting to unpack. Maybe we'll find some way to do that with our characters. We'll see. Uh, well, I mean, I can't wait to see it. I'm, I'm very excited to finish up the season and uh, obviously hoping that Netflix gets it in gear and starts the renewal process now. Same. Yeah. <laughs> same, same. It just, you guys got to get started. Um, so, yeah, God, it's been such a pleasure talking with you. We'll have to have you get back again sometime. Oh, I would love to come back. I love talking. <laughs> I love it too much. <laughs> well, you'll, you'll come back we'll just talk about Star Trek. Yes. Oh, my God. That I could talk about forever. <laughs> oh, excellent. Sorry, Ben. What? He likes Star Trek. He just has to catch up. Yeah, I'm a guys, full supporter of Star Trek. I just get, the I get overwhelmed by it. The experts and the, the new and series the goes in. It goes all the way in. Yep. So I've heard. Um, <laughs> so, but we, we got it. We can't talk forever, unfortunately. So, Justin, if you don't mind me asking, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, the Teddy Perkins episode of Atlanta. Uh, I yeah. mean, come on. Yeah. I'm still messed up. Uh, and uh, <laughs> next thing, this is going to sound really weird. Mm -hmm. Adventure Time is one of my favorite shows on television. Oh, yeah. But it comes out in like 15-minute increments. Yeah. So I literally wait like a solid year <laughs> to binge. And I have so much Adventure Time awaiting my viewing pleasure. Like... Uh, now that the show is is like out and I have like a little bit of I like I can actually come home at a reasonable hour now like I'm about to get some adventure time in. That's wonderful. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Teddy Perkins question: Were you spoiled for who was playing Teddy Perkins, or and or how long did it take you to figure it out? Oh, I knew it immediately. I mean, I, when I I figured it out because I saw the GIF online. I was actually in Italy ah. when it came out, um, and I was like, "Well, that's Donald Glover." <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And I immediately knew what we were referring to, and I was a little like, how dare they? And then I watched it, and 
I mean, it does everything art's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it made me very uncomfortable. It, it inspired me. It made me think about things I didn't think about. So it's a very surreal, bizarre, fantastic piece of work. Yeah. And, you know, and Adventure Time, I hope, will just take me on home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a nice escape at the very least. Oh, man. It's, ugh, Adventure Time is deep, y'all. It makes you look at yourself and tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Ben, what's the best thing, next thing on your docket? Uh, the best thing's very easy. It's definitely been uh, Dear White People, and I'd say as much even if our guest wasn't here. Um, my alternate pick was Atlanta because I just watched the latest one, and I'm like prepping a review tonight. They've only got one more after oh, this week. I'm behind. And, I got to catch up. It's, yeah, it's one of those things where it surprises you every week, and yeah. yet I'm so impressed with how well it holds like the overall story together, like yeah. how it drives home themes you know, week to week that kind of, you know, pick and choose moments from the whole season. And then it, it's just gelling in such an incredible way. Yeah. Um, so those are the those are the two big ones that I've just watched. And then uh, the next thing I'm looking forward to is uh, it's called Motherland. Mm. It's uh, going to be released on Mother's Day on Sundance TV. And it's Sharon Horgan who made Catastrophe or is the co-creator, co-writer, co-star of Catastrophe. Um, and it's her, it's one of her new series. She wrote it. She's not in it, but mm. uh, she's very much involved. Uh, so I'm very excited to see you know what that turns out to be. I don't know much about it other mm. than that. I just know yeah. Sharon Horgan, and that's enough for me. I'm gonna check it out. So. Okay, cool. uh, Liz, best thing. Next thing for you. Uh, well, best thing is going is is again, dear white people. Uh, and then I, but with the I'm gonna note also that I caught up with a Colony uh, this if, it, which is a fun. Not fun. Yeah. It is. I, I kind of had to come to terms with facts. It's like this. This show used to be at least they, they used to make a. Li- it, it's it's not a show that makes any time for jokes. Like Handmaid's Tale <laughs> is objectively a funnier show than Colony. Yeah. And they're equally bleak in their execution and their willingness to kill people who you would prefer oh. they don't kill, um, or maim or murder. It, it's a weird show. Um, but it was. it is still really interesting TV. And I, I shout out for the fact that its episodes tend to come in at about 42 minutes, wow. which is a special thing uh, in the Netflix binging era, yeah. where it's like the shows sometimes go longer nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially dramas. Especially dramas. And uh, next thing I'm looking forward to... Uh, I'm not saying anything officially, but I am. The next th- big thing on my viewing docket is 13 Reasons Why, mm. uh, season two. That is coming up soon. Uh, they've officially, have they officially announced when it's coming out? Yeah, it's the 18th, right? Yeah, 17th, 18th. Yeah. Uh, so 17th, or it's at Friday. Uh, so. Wow. Back into a fun adventure. I know, seriously. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got lots of romps ahead of me. Just, just <laughs> know, nonstop that's a, romps. That's a, that's, yeah, you're, um, you're in it, lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, uh, but we're uh, yeah, it's a fun time for television, but it's and it's only going to get more fun because it's we're just starting May. Oh, and, I know. And so much TV to come out. It's so much TV coming out. May Day. Uh, Mayday, indeed. Uh, but you'll be able to read all about it and more on IndieWire.com, where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. And make sure to listen to all of IndieWire's other wonderful podcasts, including Turn It On podcast with Mike Schneider, uh, the one that started it all, Screen Talk with Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson, and, of course, uh, the best podcast out there with the best host and the best person in the world, uh, Filmmaker Toolkit podcast with our own Chris Ofalt. Um, Justin, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really, been yeah. such a pleasure. Thanks for um, having me, guys. Yeah. I appreciate it. And uh, we don't invite a lot of people on. So, so this well, is this, you. you are genuinely special. It's a pleasure. And it really was. Great. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, 
Uh, you can be found on Twitter at jsim07. Yeah. Correct. I, I've been, a lot of people are upset with me in my personal life for not having it be my name, but I started too early. Sorry. Uh, yeah, jsim07. That's me and all the things. So easy. Yeah. 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 Also, if you, I think if you just search a person's name, you can still find them. Yeah, their, you still come up. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Uh, and Ben can be found on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. Liz can be found at Lizlet, that's with an I, and then an E. Correct. We will be back next week. Again, Justin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys so much for listening and as always keep watching television <laughs> yep catchphrase